It's a weird one today. We're talking when cartoon characters have kids. Welcome to Writers Get Animated. I am Mackenzie Worrell. And I'm Chris Leva. And today we're talking about Sons and Daughters. When so, cartoon characters... Yeah, not specifically Sons and Daughters, not, not the miracle of birth, but the miracle <laughs> of, of birthing of sequels to cartoon shows. I yeah. think that's a good way of explaining it. Yeah, yeah. When cartoon characters have their children in a show. Mm-hmm. Well, not like... F- not in that show. During the episode. Later. Where a child is not born. Yeah. But Which sometimes happens. Shows about the offspring of, of, of a famous character. Mm-hmm. Um... And there's there's many reasons that you would do this. Uh, One is, of course, to reinvent a character for a time. Uh, I'm thinking Tiny Toons specifically. Right. While they are not direct descendants of those characters, Mm -hmm. they may as well be. And they look up to the other characters as parental figures. I think they're teachers in the school or something. They are teachers in their uh, Acme University. Right. Right. So they're learning how to be Looney Tunes, even though they are not Looney Tunes, but they are Looney Tunes. That's right. Thank you. But they may as, <laughs> they may as well be the offspring. Mm-hmm. Babs and Buster may as well be the son and daughter of Bugs Bunny. Because when you're trying to get either a carbon copy of who the parent is mm-hmm. um, for a new time. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting that they had to break apart Bugs Bunny into two <laughs> entities to reinvent Bugs Bunny for now. We can't have Bugs Bunny cross-dressing in the 90s. That just wouldn't... That wouldn't fly. That's true. They couldn't. So you need to have female Bugs Bunny. Which is Babs. Mm-hmm. Yay for Tress. <laughs> Aw. Uh, so that's like when you get a, a carbon copy, as you mentioned, which can be useful because sometimes you'll see a kid who might see something like the Looney Tunes go, oh, that's something old. I don't want to watch something old. I don't want something new. I actually know adults like this still. Um, True. Who don't want to watch something, air quotes, old. So you need a new version of that character. Exactly the same character, but a new version. So that way it's palatable to our sensibility. Mm -hmm. And it can riff with things in our time period Mm -hmm. instead of maybe riffing with 1930s and 40s actors and actresses. Now you're riffing with things that are current. Which, me, academically, I would watch a modern Bugs Bunny show that riffed only on 30s and 40s actors. <laughs> I would do that. You would, you would watch that? I would. Okay. Note to you, Cartoon Network. Another reason to have sons and daughters is, of course, to jump forward in time and show what happens after a certain point. Which we see a lot of, but I feel there's a lot more of that usually in movies and like live action movies. You get a lot more like, like with Creed, like let's show the son of Apollo Creed wants to become a boxer. So let's have Sylvester Stallone train him now, which is not animated at all. <laughs> but, but it's the concept that we're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. So instead of taking Rocky's son <clears throat> and having that taking Apollo's son, but what is that continuation and actually showing? Um, it's more about Rocky and his. I mean, it's it's as much about Rocky as it is about the son. Mm-hmm. 
I think that happens when you jump forward in time. It's still about the parents as well. Because it has to be. You're not replacing be. them. It is them. Plus someone else. So most people are interested in that. And it's like The Force Awakens. It is, in fact. Force Awakens is a better example than Creed for our audience for this one. Right. <laughs> yes. So Force Awakens is essentially that same jump mm-hmm. forward. And we could also probably include in this fathers and mothers and do prequels, but there's not as many examples of that in cartoonhood. Right. And there aren't that many um, in cartoon. I mean, you get Young Justice and some other things that way where you get the surrogates, mm-hmm. but not the the actual offspring. But this... We have two... Um, Two examples. Examples? Examples that we're bringing to you. Um, our first example is a little show that I loved growing up called Popeye and Son, which obviously ha- is about Popeye and his son. And it's a little show that I did not know existed growing up <laughs> until now. And we're also going to talk about... <gasps> the Legend of Korra. Finally get least, to talk about I know, it. Finally and Korra. One of my favorites. I have a whole list of things I want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet. Um, and Korra is one of them. Korra is one of them. Uh, we'll probably talk about Korra more. But Korra is, of course, <laughs> a sequel to Avatar, colon, The Last Airbender. Also known as the horrible M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Last Airbender. Not Avatar. Not in that title. Just The Last Airbender. But we're talking about the cartoon incarnation. <laughs> the original. The good mm-hmm. stuff. So should we start with Popeye? I think we should. I think this is a better example of a carbon copy. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Popeye and Son. Uh, I was so excited when this show came out. I remember um, being in California for Disneyland and waking up on a Saturday morning. I'm in California to visit Disneyland. And I wake up on a Saturday morning. <gasps> Popeye and Son is on. <laughs> Turn it on and get ready to watch this cartoon. Um, I was in love with Popeye. As a concept, mm-hmm. not like I did not have a crush on Popeye. Popeye does get married to Olive Oil before this show, so you're out of luck either way. Exactly. Yeah. So I did not have a crush on Popeye, but I loved <laughs> Popeye. Um, I loved eating at Popeye's chicken um, while it existed in Albuquerque. His chicken was delicious. And wait, then wait. It, is Popeye's chicken actually inspired by Popeye the cartoon show? Yes. What? <laughs> yes. Popeye of... Sailor fame has Cajun chicken. What? Yes. I don't think I really had Popeyes growing up where I did. I well, so I think I missed here's this the phase. thing. When I was in kindergarten, there was Popeyes chicken, and there was a star on the side of the building with Popeyes face, and one of the toys were Popeyes erasers. You know, for the kids' meal. Sounds I got like Popeyes a great eras- toy. Oh. They were amazing because you couldn't get Popeye figures. There were no Popeye figures anywhere, really. So I had these erasers that I use as figures, and their arms ripped off because I wore them out playing with them in like the kindergarten. And <laughs> so much about me. And then, then Popeye's left Albuquerque, and there was no more Popeye's chicken in Albuquerque, and I was distraught because I'm like, where am I going to get my Popeye's toys? And then they did a rebranding, and there's no with nothing about this sailor anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so now I feel weird eating there because I'm like, well. Because there's no cartoons involved. There's no cartoons involved anymore. Now it's just spicy chicken and sweet tea. And there's nothing wrong with spicy chicken and sweet tea. But when my childhood self is like, where's my Popeye eraser? Where are my Popeye's toys? On that note of sadness and tragedy, (laughs) 
Uh, let's talk about something even more tragic, which is Popeye and Son, the cartoon show. <laughs> oh, oh. It is a bad show. <laughs> it is a very bad show. What we get, <laughs> we learn through the opening sequence, the opening theme song, which sounds like a Beach Boys song. <laughs> I don't know. So 80s. I don't know why 80s decided to have a Beach Boys song. Well, it's because it's 20 Beach Boys were 20 years before the 80s. That's so retro at the time. I guess that's true. It's like when when I was in high school, the 80s were retro. That's true. Now the 90s are retro. So like pop, like sun is essentially the theme song. Mm-hmm. Um, playing on pop being a nickname for father, and pop as in pop eye. He. Literally has a popped eye. Yeah, he does. I've just realized this. I have a lot of life-changing realizations today. (laughs) They're not not all that epic. They're they're rather mundane life understandings. But Anyway, Popeye and Son, (laughs) you learn in this opening sequence that Popeye has married Olive Oil. Um, They've had a son whose name is Junior, Popeye Junior, Mm -hmm. who they call Junior, um, who has um, spiky blonde hair. Somehow. Somehow. Is it bleached? I don't know. I think if you go by the movie, Popeye the movie starring Robin Williams as Popeye, he does have blonde hair there. So if he had hair, I'm sure it would be blonde. And at a certain point, I think that Junior might lose his hair. But I think it's it's given in certain areas that Popeye has blonde hair. <laughs> but it's gone. Canon. In the fanon. In the fanon, I think Popeye is a blonde. <laughs> I don't know what happened to his face. Um, he's, he's a nice face as opposed to his parents. Yeah. He looks like he has an 80s cartoon face. Yes, he does. Instead <laughs> of being descended from Popeye and olive oil. Mm-hmm. I guess if you put Popeye and olive oil together, finally. And she looks like a total 80s mom, too, when her sweatsuit, her oh, matching sweat, sweat outfit and sweatband at all times. I think curling her hair. She has a perm. <laughs> She's just got a little bit of that, like the that immigrant attitude of like I'm gonna look pretty and do it my way. I, for me, Popeye and olive oil always remind me of my grandparents. And I mean that in the best way possible. I don't entirely know why they do, <laughs> but olive oil I feel like is a young version of my grandmother. If she could spin around in circles around her waist and get tangled up in her own arms, and. <laughs> Popeye <laughs> dresses like my grandfather. I don't know. I got nothing. Well, yeah, Popeye wears a Hawaiian shirt in this now because now he's mm-hmm. retired from being a real sailor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's ex-military. That's what it is. He's having a hard time. Uh, his Everything in their house uh, looks like a... <laughs> everything in their house looks like it's from the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and Popeye... Are they in a boat? They they do live in a they don't live in a boat they have a boat but okay. he, he has a steering wheel in his room, to, so he could pretend to be on the seas. He misses them that much apparently, um, which says a lot about Popeye. He should not have settled down. He is uh, that's early onset paranoid schizophrenia. And then um, we understand that Bluto uh-huh. or Brutus Bluto uh, has married somebody and they have a son. <laughs> Somebody. I can't remember her name. Even um, in the episode, I can't remember her name. I forget, but they explain it in the episode too. She's like a she's like a bridesmaid at the wedding of Olive Oil. Right. Who's complaining to Olive Oil that she's marrying Popeye because Popeye's not a catch. And Baluto is. 
and then Bluto accidentally falls in and they get married somehow against Bluto's will. Yeah. And then have a kid. Right. But they seem happy. Tank. Yeah. Well, they're happy because Bluto has money. That's the one thing that Bluto has is money and influence and power. Did he always have money or is that new to this show? He... There, there is stuff. It depends on where you look. In the movie... I'm going to go back to the movie and the fan. Which is not animated. It's not animated, but it might as well be. He, um, he, he's pretty high standing in the city of Sweet Haven. Um, he has influence with the Commodore, um, who, spoiler alert, is um, Popeye's dad. Um, but uh, he's, he has a lot of power and influence, and marrying him would get a lot of power and influence in the town. Um, so, yes, he is powerful. But in this, he's 80s powerful, yeah. <laughs> which means dressing weirdly and having slicked hair and mm-hmm. just buying stuff. Um, and Sweet Haven has become a, a tourist trap-ish kind of place. So it used yeah. to be... Is it Florida? Is it North Carolina? Like, I can't really tell where they are. Well, it... it like, used... I thought they were, like, in Maine or something originally. Now they're, like, tropic? It, well, it, it was kind of tropic in... In the movie, it was this destitute <laughs> place. I've seen the movie like 30 times. I, I love this movie. The movie has 17 different plots. My wife and I counted. We're like, there's 17 storylines in this hour and a half movie. And anyway, we have um, Sweet Haven is a destitute place that's crumbling. And like, this has to be the promised land. They sing a song. They have songs in the movie. Um, but they're like... God must have landed here. Why else would he strand us here? (laughs) Is a lyric from the song. Like, God must have loved this place. Otherwise, why would he leave us in this destitute, awful location? Oh, my God. But now in the 80s, it's recovered. And Mm -hmm. people. it's become a location where people come. It's that dot-com boom. Yeah. And the Bluto's, I think, are partly responsible for that. Whatever they do. Whatever they do. So, um, but we learned that... Tank and Popeye Jr. are hate each other as much as Popeye and Bluto did. But not as much as they are embarrassed by their dads. Right. They get very embarrassed by their parents fighting and realize just how ridiculous their parents are. Which is interesting because yeah. they just they just shut off their fighting and That's the reverse you know, of what you'd expect it to be. Right. You would expect the parents to be uh, embarrassed for their kids, but they're just so far gone. Mm-hmm. They live in a different world. That That's an interesting carbon copy. Um, and I do like that in this the second half of this first episode with Happy Anniversary, they do explain a lot, a lot of what's going on. They don't explain why Bluto isn't interested in olive oil anymore. Right. It's kind of glaze over that. I feel like he tried for so long. To be with her. Dramaturgically, I have an issue. Yeah. I've, in, in, in a sense, Bluto married somebody who looks like him. If he fell in love with her and not she tricked him into marrying him, right. I'd be okay with it. Right. I just have a hard yeah. time. Hard Dramaturgical time. issues. Well, I can see that as a through line of, I think that's why Bluto is still trying to do get, get revenge on Popeye is... He's repressing his feelings. He's repressing his feelings, and it's coming out based on fighting with Popeye. 
and I mean, the whole episode is about Bluto trying to stop Popeye from marrying olive oil. Mm -hmm. This episode, Happy Anniversary, which is like the second episode of Popeye and Son, is about how Bluto was trying to get Mary olive oil. Mm -hmm. And they were on a time crunch. They had to get married because... Because it was a third time trying to... I don't understand what's happening. Olive's father just just was tired of them not getting married (laughs) and put an ultimatum. So, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, but you, you get Junior who does feel generic. Yeah. Generic 80s kid who becomes strong when he eats spinach. And all of his generic 80s friends. Right. Whose Very names generic. I don't know. They may as well be characters on Punky Brewster, the, the animated series, because they went from being interesting to just random characters. Yeah. There's like, so many of them. Those like... Ten kids. Yeah. And he has, he has a terrible outfit, too. He has, like, colorful shorts and a rainbow shirt yeah, or something. I don't really I don't, know. It was I like, feel like I had that outfit at some point. I don't... It's, an, it's a masterwork in what not to wear of the 80s. Yeah. And they're surfing. They surf a lot. I don't... As kids. As kids. Because you know I, how to surf alone when you're a kid. I don't know. When your best friend is a, a mystical... Um, disappearing, floating, flying uh, leopard. Which, side note, having never seen any episodes of Popeye with Eugene the Jeep before, I did not know this existed. Apparently this is a real thing. He's I've from, seen Popeye. He's from the comics. But he was in uh, like animated episodes early on, too. Correct, like The original. Yes. I never saw those ones. No. I was completely thrown for loop by the magic floating leopard. So what did they bring from Popeye? They knew that they had to have spinach, and they knew that they had to have fights between him and a character. There's no romance. Well, there's Junior trying to impress... What's-her-face? But that's not why Tank is after him. Yeah. The reason that Bluto and Popeye get into fights is because of olive oil. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. The reason that Popeye, Junior, and Tank get into fights is because... They don't they like each like other. It. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 is it that they don't like? They just they're born and there's a picture of them fighting at the hospital. Yeah. So from the very beginning they just dislike each other. It's like they're they took the surface level of what Popeye the Sailor Man was and they failed to take all of the background, just made a new cartoon with that. Right. Well, it is Hanna-Barbera. Oh, Hanna-Barbera. I, I have to say this, though. Maurice LaMarche was as great as Popeye. That was Maurice LaMarche? Yeah. Okay. I can dig it. Yeah. I, I dig his Popeye. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. Well done. Good job, Maurice. Yeah. Huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just... I don't think they, they executed it well because they didn't... If you have... I can see why they had a younger version of Popeye, mm-hmm. essentially. You have a younger version of Popeye, so that way the audience has this new surrogate. Mm-hmm. So people who are like, well, Popeye's just this older, creepy-looking person, <laughs> and they want kids to have somebody to live through, Yeah, they have to have Popeye Jr., and there he is. But he's not interesting. He doesn't have any of the interesting things. I mean, the one thing that's interesting about him is he doesn't like spinach. Yeah. 
Which, uh oh. Hmm. But he still, womp. but he still eats it and gets his crazy arms. He doesn't have crazy <laughs> arms until he eats spinach. I like the first time that I saw him eat spinach. He got crazy legs, and that's all that I saw him get at first. I'm like, is he just the opposite of Popeye? He's a kicker? <laughs> well, no, he gets both. Okay. He gets both. Because okay. Popeye has both. If you ever see Popeye in shorts, he has crazy legs and crazy arms. I'll keep an eye out next time I'm at the beach. Yeah. yeah check out for Popeye in, in shorts. Ohio. <laughs> in Ohio. I realize the flaw of that. Um, February, when this airs, excuse me. On the opposite end of the spectrum with Legend of Korra, we get a, air quotes, daughter character. The main character being, of course, Korra, is spiritually the daughter slash same person as <laughs> Aang, the main character from the first series. And she's a complete foil to who that character was. Redefined as? As who she is. She's a hot-headed lady who's been training since birth for this. As opposed to? Aang, who's like this little boy who got trapped for 100 years and has to figure out everything on his own. And he's like this sweet guy who wants to help everybody. And they, props, props to the Avatar people. They follow the rules of their world in that when an Avatar dies, a new one is immediately born if they find out who that Avatar is. And it's like a continuous spiritual line. It's not like she's literally his daughter. But spiritually, she's the successor, and that's who she's destined to be. But on top of that, we also have Aang's literal son, Z, and daughter. Right. And then we also have Korra and her literal parents, who are not the Avatar. And we do jump forward, I don't know, like 50 years? Yeah, it's a, years? it's a big jump. It's a huge jump. It was very jarring to see cars. Oh yeah, and technology in that world, which is kind of what I love. They acknowledge that the world grows and changes also, and they take the stuff they discover, the advances in the last series, and it's very into the wood style. They take all the cool stuff, like oh, there's this new thing called metal bending. There's this new thing called blood bending. And they explore all the consequences of discovering all this stuff in the new series. Right. Which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And so in the episode, um, season two, episode three, Civil Wars, comma, part one. Which is a type A cliffhanger. Because it's called part one. <laughs> I know. I'm just throwing it out for consistency's sake. <laughs> that there is a cliffhanger, so don't be prepared for. That's what we call a runner. Um... In this episode, it's all about families. It's prior to this episode, um, Tenzin, who is Aang's literal son. Aang, of course, being the last airbender from the first series. And then his literal son, Tenzin, was still the last airbender for a long time, <laughs> which I think is funny. They don't really explore that. Um, but he's now the mentor to Korra, who's his dad incarnate. So, like, son is training dad, who's now daughter, which is kind of confusing. But before this episode, anyway, <laughs> they have a fight, and so they're not together. They're split up, but we're following the plot of each of them. And Korra is fighting with her family in the Southern Water Tribes. Her uncle tries to take over. And Tenzin is on vacation with his brother, Boomy, who doesn't have any magical bending powers, and his sister, Kaya, who's a waterbender, much like Korra is. And much like their mother. And much like their mother. Katara, spoilers, from the first series. 
Um, so we have multiple levels of family conflict going on, and the unspoken one that we don't see is Tenzin and Korra. They don't have any direct interaction during this, but I feel like their growth separately leads to their eventual reunion. So what were they using this episode to tell us? I feel a lot of what we saw kind of along the lines of the consequences of things they discovered in the first series was also, despite Aang being the main character and the Avatar, like the Messiah figure of this world, he wasn't 100% a good guy. Right. So we get to see the bad side of him because it's all about Tenzin being, Dad was great! He was such a good dad! We took all those great vacations and his brother and sister go, you took those vacations. We didn't. He didn't care about us because we didn't, we weren't the windbenders, the airbenders like he was. I can't believe I said windbender. Yeah, I was like, ooh. It's like a, <laughs> I farted and then <laughs> controlled who smelled it. <laughs> parody. Ah, there we go. Parody. TM. There you go. The um, last windbreaker. <laughs> it's like a jacket from the 80s. Thank God those are gone. Oh my God. Um, anyway, several tangents later. So we learn about Aang as a father, Aang as his development, because we're missing decades of his development as a character. Mm-hmm. And the only way we can learn about it is retroactively through the eyes of his children. Yeah. Who are now grown. Mm-hmm. Aging. And that's so interesting. Like, the main characters from the first series, Aang is dead before the show starts, of course, necessarily. Um, Otherwise, we wouldn't have a new Avatar. Yeah. Sokka has also died before the show begins, but they don't really go into that much. So we have Katara, who's elderly and lives in the same village as Korra's parents. We see her occasionally as an advisor. Um, Zuko, the bad guy slash main character slash eventual good guy of the first series, spoilers, is in it occasionally as an advisor as well. Um, And then Toph is not dead, but is vanished under mysterious circumstances. But we have all sorts of interesting stuff because Aang and Katara got together, but then Aang's son Tenzin and Toph's daughter are ex-lovers, even though they're both like 50 now, and Tenzin is married, so they have this weird relationship. But they're still friends, but they hate each other. So you have to have as much about the old show as the new show. Because mm-hmm. people are still interested in those characters that they loved. So you have to find the way to bridge that gap between here's something completely new, but here's enough because we know that you want to know about mm-hmm. this. We're not going to answer any of these questions satisfactorily. <laughs> But we're going to give you something. Yeah, the breadcrumbs. Right. And then in your fanon, you can figure out what happened. And this show does grow up with its audience. If Avatar The Last Airbender had a primarily middle school to elementary school audience, it's more of like a high school audience. It's very much like a... It has a lot of romantic drama in it. And just character-driven drama, as well as action and adventure. Uh, The action is bigger. Yeah. The action is bigger. There are the fights. There's the sporting matches. There's everything is just ramped up in that sense. And explores much more the subtlety of these things. Unlike the previous show where it's 
at the beginning, it's very clear cut. There's airbenders, waterbenders, earthbenders, and firebenders, and the firebenders are bad. Right. And as that show goes on, you realize, oh, there's a couple bad firebenders who are pursuing us, but the country as a whole isn't bad. And even the guys who are pursuing us aren't bad. And this show kind of picks up where they left off, and like everybody's mixed together now, and there's no one bad thing. Everybody's good and bad, including Korra is good and bad. Right. So I thought that was very interesting. Very much a foil. They're foils to each other. Um, Yeah. I feel like I've said everything that I want to say, and I've gone in circles about that. (laughs) (laughs) I've talked circles around myself about how much I love this episode without talking about it. It's a really good episode. Um, Not being as much of a scholar of Korra as Mm -hmm. you are, Mm -hmm. by any means. Um, I think I have as much knowledge about Popeye as you have about (laughs) Korra, and vice versa. Probably. Um, But I I think that... um, you have to have the ties to the old world. Otherwise, you're going to lose the original audience in that same way. You want new audience, but the reason why you're doing a sequel is because your old audience wants more. Well, that's also interesting because this show, the meta history of the show, outside mm-hmm. of the what was going on, they did, of course, the first series, three seasons, very successful, highly lauded, made an awful movie out of it. Um, never to be sequeled. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do like a six episode miniseries that they expanded into 13 episodes and then decided, oh, let's call that season one. Let's do three more seasons. So the show kind of evolved as it went. As it went, the ratings got lower and lower until halfway through the third season. It was not airing on TV. New episodes only premiered online on Nickelodeon's website. So at that point, they kind of just got to do whatever they wanted. Hmm. And it got fairly mature and fairly dark very quickly, which is spoilers for another time. <laughs> um, but that's like the show as a whole, like it's definitely growing and growing and growing and showing what cartoons can be. Taking something you love as a kid's cartoon and growing that up and doing more with that. That's a whole circle again. That is a whole circle. <laughs> I know. And we're back to where we are. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why you would do. Uh, a son and daughter because you want to have something that's similar from that world and take something that you enjoyed from that original world and explore it deeper. Mm -hmm. So using that all as a setup in a way. Yeah. But it is. And it's like, Oh, you love this. We're going to have this thing, but not do that. So we have all the same viewers checking out the first episode to see if they like it. Instant, instant viewership. And then whether you keep them or not is up to your storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite thing from this this week? My favorite thing was from the episode of Korra. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I love Popeye, my favorite thing from what we watched <laughs> was from Korra. Um, it was just a joke um, from Varric um, that I did not see coming. <laughs> it, would, it felt like a joke that did not feel in that world and it felt like a joke that I would write it's the kind of joke that I like (laughs) where it it just is ridiculous and then it turns and then it flips again and then that last final flip is just being super sarcastic and I just enjoy that last flip it's the the final flip that does it for me I'm doing lots of crazy 
Horse spinning gestures, length. circle yeah. gestures, f- the flip, flip, flip. I should really be doing a different gesture about flipping. But palm going up and palm going Anyway, down. so he says, my point is, Unlock's already booted our chieftains out of their palace. How long before he starts telling us what kind of cookies we can eat? Probably a couple of days. Rhetorical question, Zuli. You gotta keep up. Not to mention I've got a cargo ship full of halibut that's rotting thanks to this harbor lockdown. Who wants to buy a ship full of stinking fish? Seriously, it's not rhetorical. I need to sell these fish. (laughs) So starting with the rhetorical question, calling that out, and then ending with this crazy, huge thing. Who wants to buy this stinking fish? I'm serious. This isn't rhetorical. That's my favorite kind of joke. If you love Varric, you're going to see a lot more of that because this whole shtick is the three parts of his joke are him trying to be serious, people taking him seriously, and then him getting mad because people aren't laughing at his joke. (laughs) That's his whole shtick. That's the joke every single time, and it's always done well. Uh, My favorite thing, I had a couple choices, but I'm going to put down um, Kaya is lecturing her brothers about their father and she says and it was his duty and then of course um boomy their brother starts to giggle and he goes "Ah, duty and then she continues and like da 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 da, and it was his duty don't laugh and that's why and it's just like this very familiar sibling moment where you know your brother so well you just got to say don't laugh after duty because you know what's going to happen yeah that gets their whole relationship for me is in that moment of duty don't laugh (laughs) I understand that their family exactly and all of their vacations that they didn't have. <laughs> Should we do homework time? Let's do homework time. Homework time. Next week, we are talking about The Simpsons. The Simpsons. I was going to do that, but I decided okay. against it. Well, but I hey, we're talking like... about The Simpsons. We're talking about other great episodes. We're talking. Episodes since season 11 that you should watch. Since the middle of season 11. Since the middle of season 11. (laughs) So great episodes of The Simpsons. If you want to catch one, one to watch would be Simpsons season 27, episode 4, Halloween of Horror. We're going to talk about that one pretty in depth, but we have some other great surprises for you Mm -hmm. next time. And be prepared because it's a lot of episodes. So... uh... It's going to be a long one. Take take a long drive to work. <laughs> like a Go really a long, long way. Take yeah. the city streets. Take several long ways. On, on the way to and the way from. <laughs> cool. We'll see you next time. Who wants to buy some rotting fish? Good night, everybody. <laughs>